It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Those are the sounds of Cuba right now, and I'm sure that you've been hearing this. The poor, poor people of Cuba, those who have not escaped, uh, managed to escape, who've had to stay on the island, who have lived through poverty, who have lived through, you know, lack of medical treatment, uh, who now are so upset about their treatment that they're out on the streets no matter what, uh, being beaten, arrested. Um, I would say that, you know, Cuban-American UFC star Jorge Masvidal, he's from Cuba, and he calls them killers. They're killing, it's a killing machine. That's what he said. Of course, how would he know? Because American celebrities think Cuba and Fidel Castro is some romantic hero. Uh, uh, Bernie Sanders thinks he's a hero. So does the American left. It's just disgusting. And so the people are out on the streets uh, fighting for their freedom, for waving American flags. For heaven's sake, Cuba has been a communist country since the 50s and been under oppression and just so close to our shoreline, so close to freedom, but unable to gain it. Some have found their way to Florida and uh, New York and other places in the country, and they've been some of, become some of America's finest citizens because they know what it's like not to be free. And some of their sons have become, our, become some of our leading senators between Ted Cruz and also Marco Rubio. Uh, that's the reason they speak so passionately about freedom, because their own parents uh, were imprisoned or ran afoul of Fidel, Fidel Castro. I saw, uh, because I have friends connected in uh, places, I saw, I saw a video of a man being beaten and tortured um, just yesterday. It was about 20 seconds long. But this is the treatment that they're getting. And meanwhile, Amer- the American left continues their ridiculous charade about how wonderful Cuba is. As a matter of fact, I mentioned Jorge Masvidal. He's slamming um, Colin Kaepernick. Because remember, Colin Kaepernick, you know, wore a picture of Fidel on his T-shirt and talked about how wonderful Cuba was, great education. And so um, in response to that, this is a fighter, by the way. Jorge, I didn't, I don't know these uh, these initials, UFC, I guess that's fighting. I'm sorry that I don't know that. But Jorge Masvidal uh, slammed Colin Kaepernick, and he says, American leftists who know nothing about real oppression and communism wear images of Castro, while Cubans living in the horrors of communism and real oppression are waving the American flag. 
Uh, but of course, it's not just uh, it's not just Colin Kaepernick. It's Nicole Hannah Jones of Project Sixteen Nineteen, who's bragging on the Cuban Revolution and saying that it led to the end of codified racism and brought about universal education and access to jobs for Black Cubans. Well, she better go down to Cuba right now and talk to the Black Cubans on the street who are fighting for freedom who were being beaten and arrested. I saw one video of a kid running across the park with police chasing him, and the guy videotaping it, you can hear him saying, he's just a niño, he's a niño, he's just a niño, and they beat him. I don't know what his fate was, but this is what's happening in Cuba. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, of course, knows better. Uh, She wrote on Twitter that the U.S. is the problem because of uh, the embargo that we put on Cuba. If we just didn't have Cuba under an embargo and let the communist leaders do what they wanted, this wouldn't be happening. It's just bizarre. It's surreal. All right. I want to, um, I have a lot of things to tell you this morning, as you can imagine. There is so much news, but I, I want to get personal with you for a second because I feel it's, I have to find that balance between telling you what's happening uh, and uh, taking up the, 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 the important, valuable real estate of this program with personal things. Uh, but I do want to tell you that a week ago today, I put my Husband into I took him to the emergency room at the hospital because he I was uh, worried sick he was not breathing he was um, he was in a really difficult circumstances and when he was placed in the hospital we found out that he had COVID pneumonia uh, when I talked to the doctor a week ago today well, this is Monday uh, he did not give my husband, Bruce, who you hear, who you guys just love. You've talked to me, many of you, written about how you enjoy. When he joins me, his wisdom, his voice uh, was fighting for his life. The doctor told me he was, within the, the of the people who get COVID pneumonia, he was at the top 5% in danger. And so um, you can imagine what this week, last week, was like. That's why I wasn't with you on the air it was a very difficult week and of prayer and supplication. But uh, let me just tell you that I contacted, um, practically speaking, I contacted the frontline doctors uh, who you've heard a lot about. Uh, you can still find them online, by the way. There will be much more to say about this, but I have to tell you that with their help, uh, I was able to get, and with the help of my husband's doctor, and trust me, this is not normal procedure in hospitals. But this was a Chinese Christian doctor who volunteered to me that he was praying for my husband as he delivered the bad news. And I uh, called frontline doctors, had a consultation, and they said he must get on ivermectin right away. Ivermectin, 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 which is what we got for him. The Chinese doctor said, I don't, I will try anything. I don't care. I will try anything. Put him on a regimen of that plus a bunch of other things. And Sunday night, what, oh, Saturday night, I was able to bring Bruce home. So he's home on oxygen, and of course he's not strong, uh, but I am thanking God. I am just completely, completely thanking God. And yes, if you want to know if I had COVID, yes, I tested positive as well. I guess that's why I've been sick so many weeks here. Maybe you didn't realize I was, but I was. And uh, I just, we just thought our, our grandchildren are here with us, and uh, they got, went to Bibles, uh, vacation Bible school and, and came home sick, and we immediately caught whatever it was they had. We thought it was just what kids bring home, you know, some kind of a, a, a virus of some sort. We went to the doctor, got antibiotics, got all the treatment we could, uh, but we did not know that we had COVID until my husband 
got so deathly ill. And so now, yes, I have it too, but I am also on ivermectin. And as of yesterday, I started feeling like a different person. And so thank you, Jesus. That's all I can say. Thank you, Jesus. You might um, say, well, does this change your mind about vaccines? Or, And I, I have to say, I'm not ready to declare. Uh, I, I have to just be honest with you at all times, which I am. I'm not ready to declare anything uh, yet, because I, I, I have to think about this, and I have to assimilate what has happened to us. Uh, I would say that uh, based on what I'm reading and still seeing testimony by doctors uh, such as, um, uh, you know, I don't know his first name, Dr. Corey, uh, he uh, testified before the Senate Committee on Homeland Security with Ron Johnson in December, and he, in that testimony, talked about what a miracle drug ivermectin is. And I think the one thing you need to hear me say, this I know is, is true, okay? I know that when you go to the doctor, or go to the hospital, the only thing that they are free to give you is remdesivir. Remdesivir, um, from my perspective, and I'm not a medical person, I will have a medical person on so that we can get trustworthy information. I am just an information person who knows a lot of things and often can tell who's trustworthy and who isn't. But um, remdesivir was that drug that, came out um, when President Trump was still president. They, you know, shouted from the housetops because they didn't want hydroxychloroquine to be given. You remember that. And remdesivir, their big claim was that it would, uh, you know, shorten your stay in the hospital by three days. And I thought at the time, well, that's a very small claim given the seriousness of this illness. That doesn't seem something to be very excited about, but that's what hospitals are authorized to give, and that's it. And I'm finding, and I have found for some time, that when my friends get covid the doctors tell them that, you know, to take what? Uh, aspirin, Tylenol, take what? NyQuil? Stay home. Unless you want to go into the hospital, then we'll give you drugs. Otherwise, no. But then when you go into the hospital, all they will give you is um, rem, uh, remdesivir, which from my perspective and from what I'm reading is uh, very ineffective. Now, maybe it was my husband did have that also. So I can't say that for a fact, but based on other things I'm reading and other information I'm taking in, it seems very, very pale, its effect in comparison to ivermectin. And so the, this Chinese doctor, who was a Christian, who prayed with me on the phone, said that he would give my husband ivermectin. He would do whatever it took. And all I can tell you is that a week ago today, I thought I was going to lose my husband, and today he's home on oxygen. And uh, so I'm very grateful, and myself, I feel so much better. I may sound funny still, but I feel, finally, I feel better, so much better after so many weeks of not feeling well. So uh, that's, a, that's a very personalized story. I also know that the Biden administration is just uh, desperate to have all of you take the vaccine. Uh, and we will discuss that more. They're so desperate that they're actually cooperating with social media to make sure you never hear about ivermectin that you still believe that hydroxychloroquine is ineffective and uh, that uh, you must get the vaccine at all costs. That's the message they want you to hear. If you don't believe it, Jen Psaki, of course, last week made a statement on at a press conference that was pretty frightening. This is clip four. We are in regular touch uh, with these social media platforms, uh, and those uh, engagements typically happen through members of our senior staff, but also members of our COVID-19 team. Uh, given, as Dr. Murthy, Murthy uh, conveyed, uh, this is a big issue of misinformation, specifically on the pandemic. We've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect 
uh, two connected medical experts with popular with popular who are popular with their audiences with uh, with accurate information and boost trusted content. So we're helping get trusted content out there. We also created the COVID nineteen the COVID Community Corps to get factual information into the hands of local messengers. All right. So disinformation. Uh, so what they're saying is. They are working with Facebook and social media to make sure that you never know about ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or you hear the testimony of Dr. Corey before the Senate. You can't find that. I got it on, um, what, uh, one of those other servers. It's not YouTube. It's not. It's another, uh, I'll have to look for it because I want you to see it. Uh, so you can't, you won't be able to find this information. Uh, right now you can still get, by the way, if you are sick, Frontline Doctors, if you Google Frontline Doctors, I believe it's .net, you can still find them online. And uh, you can make your way to them and, and get a call and, and get some help because you can hear about... See, the, the, the irony is there are apparently medications that work because we are apparently an example of that, my husband and I. But they don't want you to know about those medications. All they want you to know about is the vaccine. It is really a frightening time. That's all I can say. This is a frightening time where if you don't, if you're not equipped with information and don't know how to find help, um, I think they're letting people die. At the same time, they're turning around saying that Fox and uh, people who are spreading, you know, information about ivermectin are spreading misinformation. They must be stopped uh, and they are killing people. They're out and out saying that they are killing people when the opposite is true. Uh, when you go to the hospital and you're very sick with COVID and you can't get anything remdesivir or the th few treatments that they are allowing, they are not giving you their all. They're not giving you everything they could give you because it's a political it's a political hot, uh, football. Uh, I, I have to say, my um, uh, this is a different doctor, not not worthy of being praised. Came into the room with my husband when he was on oxygen and so sick, and yelled at him for not having a mask on. He was in a single room by himself and then stood over his bed and talked about Donald Trump and these medications and the FDA, like preaching to him uh, on, on the political issues of this medication over a man who was um, try fighting for his life. It is unbelievable what's happened to our medical, uh, our hospitals, to many of our doctors. And so let me just tell you, COVID is spreading right now. I think it is increasing with this other strain. So go to Frontline Doctors, and uh, you need to be on, uh, I think, ivermectin now or hydroxychloroquine. Let them give you some help. All right, so I'll be back. There will be more in just a minute. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman with the American Family Association and American Family Radio. Hey, we're having a retreat this fall. In fact, October 3rd through the 6th, we're going to be gathering at the Purcell Farms, just about 45 minutes southeast of Birmingham, Alabama. It's in the mountains, and we're going to have a wonderful time, and we'd love for you to join us. Our speakers will be Sandy Rios, Abe Hamilton, Ray Pritchard, Bert Harper. I'm going to be there along with a lot of the AFA and AFR team. So it's going to be a wonderful time of refreshment and fellowship. And we're just going to have a lot of fun. There's so many great things to do there on the campus of the Purcell Farm. So if you'd like to join us for this very special retreat, just go to afaretreat.net. afaretreat.net. We've only got a few rooms left, in fact. afaretreat.net. And we hope to see you there this fall. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today we pray for Andrea Palm, Deputy Secretary of Health and Human Services. She oversees operations within the department, including health, safety, welfare, and family services. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 reminds us of God's blessings of good health. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Andrea Palm as she serves in the health and human services. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. As you plan your summer college visits, add Liberty University to the list. With many visiting options to choose from, you're sure to find the right one to fit your schedule. Spend a few hours exploring campus with our student-led team at Tour LU, dig deeper and learn more about life at Liberty during Experience LU, or take your next steps towards becoming a student at Decide LU. Learn more and register today by texting VISIT to 49596. Again, that's VISIT to 49596. See you this summer. The White House announced they are cracking down on what they consider to be disinformation about the China virus vaccine. It is a revelation that should disturb any American who believes in freedom of the press and free speech. Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the White House is working closely with social media platforms to target information the administration finds objectionable. She said, and I quote, they are flagging problematic posts for Facebook. Now, this is a big deal. Your government is actively censoring any Facebook messages they do not agree with. Now you understand why so many conservatives have been silenced on Facebook. Our traffic has been cut by nearly 3 million people. And that's why I'm urging folks to wean themselves off Facebook and sign up for my free daily newsletter. It's the only way to get conservative news the Biden administration does not want you to see. You can subscribe at ToddStarns.com. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. So let's see. And remain steadfast, steadfast in speaking truth, tearing down double standards, and refuting double talk. Let's not allow any double downing online. Let's prepare our children for a world they deserve. Let's deny this off-key band of people that are anti-education, anti-teacher, anti-equity, anti-history, anti-racial reckoning, anti-opportunity, anti-health people, anti-diversity, anti-platform, anti-science, anti-change agent, anti-social justice, anti-healthcare, anti-worker, anti-LGBTQ+, anti-children, anti-healthcare, anti-worker, anti-environment, anti-emissions policy change, anti-inclusion, anti-live and let live people. Let them die. Don't let these uncomfortable people Yes, I think we have a theme going here this morning. That was uh, Michelle Leach. She is uh, the vice president of the Fairfax County NAACP. She's also the vice president of the Virginia PTA. She's speaking to Democrats and people who came to a school board meeting in Fairfax last week, and she's cheering on the killing, let them die, she said, of her opponents. 
those that oppose critical race theory, those that oppose radical transgender rights for students, let them die. This kind of a theme. I don't think you should be too surprised. Uh, We see what's happening in the streets of Cuba. This really is the mindset. The the curtain is just lifting. Uh, There is no concern for human life. There is um, a, a, a wickedness, an evil that's just being unleashed really, on on regular people. I don't even know if the perpetrators understand the evil that they're unleashing, but they are unleashing it. And that reminds me of January the 6th. We've talked about this over and over again. I want to just tell you one story before I introduce our guest. Over the weekend, uh, there was a story about Philip Anderson. Philip is the young black man that I told you about last fall. He was in San Francisco trying to organize a free speech rally. Uh, and he was just kind. I, I remember this. They had like patriotic music playing in the background. They had the microphone set up. And here came Antifa. And so Philip was trying to help one guy who was trying to make it through the crowd. And Antifa comes up and hits him on the ear and then attacks him and knocks both of his front teeth out. It was horrific. You could see it on the video. And so he this weekend, there's a news story out that Philip was there January the 6th. Now we have video footage of this, and he said that one of those women that was trampled, you know, there there were other people that were killed. They said they were caught underfoot. Uh, He said she was right next to him, and he was holding onto her hand uh, when she, it just slipped away. And he said she was, his accusation, which I cannot prove, uh, but he's saying that the Capitol Police did not help them, that they were being trampled underfoot, and they were not helped. I think Philip certainly has the gravitas, and he certainly paid the price personally. Uh, he was beaten terribly. You should see him in the video on this particular telling of this. He has earned the right to speak, that's for sure, uh, because he's paid a terrible price uh, for his support of freedom and at the time of Donald Trump. Well, over the weekend, um, Matt Brainerd, who you've met now a couple times on the air here, is the executive director of Look Ahead. Matt organized a rally for the January 6th um, detainees in, in uh, Washington, D.C., at the federal prison. And uh, so I've asked him to join us this morning because I know everyone would like to know, some of you might have been there, uh, what happened. Matt, thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me back. All right, Matt. So from your perspective, uh, just tell us how the morning transpired. What happened? <clears throat> oh, it was. I'd say it was a rousing success. You know, we had a preview rally in Phoenix on Wednesday, and I, I spoke there, but we also had and elected Congressman Paul Gozar came in person and spoke. We had several elected officials there. We had family members. We had the mother of uh, Jake Angeli, who is commonly known as a Q shaman or whatever, who, again, committed no violence at all. He just walked into the building, prayed, walked out, um, but is being persecuted as the quote-unquote face of the insurrection. Um, so we had a really good rally there with about 200 people, some good media coverage of it. And then on Saturday, we had nine more rallies all across the country, the prime one being in Washington, D.C., and we had two busfuls of people that went down to the prison. More people were there waiting for us. Uh, we spent over an hour out there singing patriotic songs, reading letters. I know that the prisoners inside could actually see and hear us for a little while. They could see us for a while until we were told the guards moved them to a different room, but they were waving to us from the window so we could see them doing that. And hopefully we were able to boost their morale and their spirits, but it was a a large, peaceful group of, I'd say, over 100 with some good media coverage um, in D.C. And um, the video and photos of rallies all across the country um, in Georgia, in Florida, in South Carolina, in Texas, in in Iowa, 
and uh, other states have all been, uh, and New York, et cetera, et cetera, have all been streaming in. And um, I would say that this is, uh, it's a small step, but it's a first step, which is so important for those of us that share uh, the America First agenda, is this is the beginning of our political community organizing. It's something we've never done before, and we're a relatively new organization. We only started, I'd say, you know, we relaunched six months ago from a stillborn birth about four months ago, four years ago, and after relaunching to be able to hold uh, six, I'm sorry, ten simultaneous rallies across the country on behalf of these political prisoners, I think is is remarkable. I I really appreciate our volunteers and our donors who made that happen. You know, um, Matt, let me read to you please, uh, an email that I got from a friend who was there. And she said, about 100 of us gathered at D.C. at the D.C. Correctional Facility this afternoon to protest the continued incarceration, mostly in solitary confinement of protesters arrested after January 6th after the Capitol riot. Parents of those in prison read heartbreaking letters from their sons. One is not being treated for his cancer. Others report that late at night, correctional officers enter their cells, turn off the cameras, and beat them. One angry father said his son was sprayed randomly with mace in his cell the other night by a correctional officer and that he is in solitary with only food and a Bible. An Italian immigrant, a migrant, a middle-aged woman, spoke passionately saying, this was not the America I came to. A youngish black man said he had grown up in Berlin and knew what freedom was and now we were losing it here. We tried to be loud enough so that the prisoners would hear us, and one of the organizers, lawyers, parents, reported that the corrections officers were at that moment ushering the, the, the January 6th prisoners to a more secure area behind heavy metal doors so that they would not hear us. How this is not a national scandal, I do not know. Yeah, I wanted to share that with you, Matt, because I wasn't sure you would see that. I thought that was a pretty moving telling of what happened in D.C. Yeah, and I have to say, um, your audience, I ran into quite a few of your audience who came to the D.C. rally, and who knows how many came to the other rallies. I think in total, we probably had over a 1,000 attendees across all 10 rallies. I think that's a uh, conservative estimate. And, uh, you know, you've got a lot of fans who listened and heard about this rally, and they said, look, i got to do something. So that something was to come to D.C. You know, we, we had one couple that actually flew all the way from Idaho, People wow. came to great distances to, to participate in this protest, and it was a good, it was a really good spirited crowd. And you know, it's a, a remarkable contrast, I, I would say, to a month ago because we held a rally a month ago in front of the Department of Justice around the corner from the FBI. And at that time, a lot of people were afraid uh, to participate in any kind of protest like this. But when we had, I would say, maybe 25 to 30 people at that rally, and that was just one. And, you know, that it, it was right there in front of the Department of Justice. And between then and now, to see it grow and to see people uh, regain their courage and their the belief that they've got to participate, that we cannot concede community organizing to the left, whether it's something as uh, boring as voter registration efforts or uh, educating state legislators on uh, black box voting equipment to... Uh, recruiting new volunteers to showing up at a national mobilization event like we did this weekend. All of that is community organizing. It's something we've got to take really seriously because, you know, if this had happened to, to the people on the left, if it was a right-wing president, for example, that was imprisoning uh, innocent, I would say innocent per se, but nonviolent at, at worst, um, uh, political prisoners and holding them without bail for six months on the basis of having Lego sets, 
uh, the left would not have tolerated that. And the only reason it's happening to us is because of our own weakness, our own lack of willingness to participate in direct action and community organizing. And I said this to the crowd, and this is my line, is that we showed up with 100, but if we had showed up with 100,000, they would have been out of there, the prisoners, within about 48 hours. They would be released at least with bail. So this is going to be a long road for us. This is going to take years for us to continue to grow, to grow organizational muscle at the local, state, and national level to be able to mobilize when this happens. And this is a, it's an unfortunate lesson for us, but it's a lesson we need to learn. Matt, uh, practically speaking then, uh, what can people do to help right now? I mean, are there more rallies? I mean, what, what can they do to help you with these particular manifestations of uh, you know, defending these prisoners? There, there are three things that people can do. Like, to live, they can, and it, this is do, like, really do something, not complain about it, not talk about how bad things are on the internet, to do something. Number one, all of your congressional and Senate representatives have district offices. Request a meeting to that office and ask to speak, if not to the representative, to a representative. Do not care what their party is. Do not care what their party is. Go there with as many of your friends and uh, family members or people who are sympathetic to this cause. Go to that meeting and demand that that representative go to the prison to inspect it and meet with the political prisoners. That is the one thing that they can do right now. The second thing that they can do is to volunteer for Look Ahead America. We have uh, volunteers in all 50 states. We have a leadership structure. I think maybe by the end of this month, we'll have leadership structure in 40 states. So at lookaheadamerica.org slash volunteer. And finally, um, these operations, we had, we had a massive security team there on Saturday. We had, we've actually paid for three buses because we didn't know how many people who RCP would show up. We had a lawyer on site. We actually had two lawyers on site the whole time. Um, we had insurance. We had everything prepared so that this would go smoothly and peacefully. But we could not have done that without our donors. So if somebody wants to help with a contribution at lookaheadamerica.org, we are 51 c 3 status pending. That's tax deductible, um, and it, it will go right into the programs to fund operations just like this. And it also, you know, and all of these things also just sign up at lookaheadamerica.org to stay up to date because we're going to be making some news on this within the next couple of days with other things, other initiatives that we're, we're uh, taking on this front um, just this week. So we've got some big announcements coming up this week. Okay. All right. So lookaheadamerica.org. And I want to repeat those things. Call your congressperson. I assume that means senator, senators too, regardless of party. Then you've got to go to the district. They all have yes. multiple district offices. You have to go there in person. And I would encourage you to read the articles by Ms. Julie Kelly at American Greatness, particularly yes. of the nonviolent individuals being held and the ridiculous causes and all the complaints about prison abuse. And you know, maybe they don't really... Let's say some of these representatives don't per se care so much about these people, but most of them should have some concern about abuse in the prisons at our federal level. So this Absolutely. would be a good way to to talk to them and say, look, these are these are federal prisoners; they're being abused, and perhaps this could be motivation for them to you know look at some kind of legislation on the federal level on on prison treatment. That's fine, but just encourage them to go to those prisons and see those people and hear their stories, regardless of whether they think they're guilty, regardless of whether you think they're worthy of bail or not. So that's, you know, that's let, me, let me interject also, just as a caution, I say this, I'm beginning to say this more and more often, but uh, people know about Julie Kelly and American Greatness because they listen to me, but you don't remember those names. 
and you can no longer rely on Google search or you, you just never know. So you have to go directly then to American Greatness. You can still find that and look for Julie's articles on this. And she is the, the one, she is, other reporters are covering this now too, but Julie still is the best. She's tracking, you know, their sentences. All, she's tracking all of them and she's doing an amazing job. So go to the outlet, American Greatness Online, and look for Julie Kelly's articles on this. Uh, volunteer for Look Ahead America. And then, of course, as Matt just said, if you have, if this is where you want to spend your resources, if you'd like to make a difference in this, please do. Uh, Matt, uh, you, I think you alluded to this already, but did you feel threatened? I mean, did the, did what kind of presence did you see, have by police or FBI or whatever when you got to, to especially in this DC? That that was quite interesting. You know, all none of the other events really were met with much of a security force, but. The, at the D.C. prison, they were ready and waiting for us. They had a blockade of cars to the entrance, to the public entrance to the facility. Um, they had their uh, pepper spray drawn, their, the, the guns that shoot the different pellets. They were, they were ready for them. Um, but, you know, I, m- my request to the crowd was not to antagonize them. Uh, it's kind of a... I know that there are definitely some very abusive people who work in those prisons, but we didn't want to antagonize any of the guys working outside. And, and the sad truth is that no child grows up saying, I want to be a prison guard. So whoever ended up there, some things probably went wrong in their life along the way. We weren't there to antagonize them. And it was, it was like, and I've done many of these protests. Whenever the security shows up, I just go to them and say, hey, look, we're not going to cause any trouble. Anything comes up, just talk to me. I'm the guy in charge. And it went pretty, it, it went smoothly. And, um, you know, we prayed for them and, and, and that was it. So we, we really didn't have any interaction. There was, and, we didn't get any interaction from the neighborhood. I mean, it would be a little. But we again, we were, we had very heavy security. This the same security that protects the diplomats. And we had that level of you know former special ops teams surrounding us. At least a dozen uh, uh, armed security there, so that if Antifa showed up, which would be very ironic to have them show up to protest people protesting a federal facility, that they would very likely burn down if they have a chance. Um, we were very secure there. Yeah. And, and okay. we make well, sure that any of our rallies are are, are secure if if, uh, if, if if needed. Yeah, Matt, that's a listen. Thanks. I know you probably had a very, very tiring weekend, so I appreciate you joining me early this morning. And uh, I'm hope that people will just uh, jump in there and help you even more. And please keep in touch uh, if something is coming up. Let us help you. Okay. I appreciate. It. Thanks for having me on. Okay. God bless you, Matt, and talk to you soon. All right, Sandy Rios. When we get when we return, we're going to go to Arizona and talk about that audit that we saw the results of last week. It was pretty interesting. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. Do you see yourself too sinful for God to care? Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve with From His Heart Ministries. You know, one of the big reasons why people have a love problem with the Lord is because they haven't received His love for them. They don't really compute that. They don't really believe that God could really and truly love them without conditions. But He does. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart. 
Weeknights at 6 Central here on American Family Radio. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Genesis 3 records for us the cataclysmic rebellion against God in the Garden of Eden. The entire episode, Eve's entertainment of the sensual lies of the talking snake, the deceptive twisting of God's word, all of it transpired with Adam standing right there. Adam was the one to whom God entrusted his word originally. Adam was the one God charged with cultivating and protecting the garden and his wife. Yet he stood there, silent. Men, let us not repeat Adam's sin of present absence. Stand on God's word and defend your gardens. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a health care plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare, and what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the typical health insurance plan. That's double. So you get a massive network of providers to choose from. You get telehealth services. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. Here's why now really is the time to make the switch to you can start saving each month, which is huge, but right now they'll waive your joining fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. But again, it's a limited time offer. You got to call now. And it only takes two minutes to find out how much you'd save by switching. Here's the number, 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. It's a grave mistake for intelligence services and security policymakers to obsess about hostile powers' intentions instead of their actual capabilities to act aggressively. Most immediately, we need to focus less on whether the Chinese Communist Party intends at the moment to go to war than on whether it is prepared to do so. What are known as indicators and warnings increasingly suggest that the Chinese have put into place the capabilities to invade Taiwan and believe they can now successfully exercise that option. A recent compelling Center for Security Policy webinar illuminated the techniques China would likely use to act on their oft-repeated threats to undertake such an attack. Given the exceedingly dangerous global implications, visit presentdangerchina.org to see measures that we must take now to counter the CCP's ominous capabilities and thereby deter whatever it may intend to unleash. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, so we were just talking about the January 6th prisoners, and I've told you this before, but I want to repeat, because the Biden administration is doubling down on linking uh, all of the the so-called violent extremists in this country who believe that President Trump probably won the election. Uh, This is part of their national strategy for countering domestic terrorism, They are linking it with voter integrity. So in other words, if you're concerned about your state, Arizona, Georgia, uh, Wisconsin's very upset, uh, Pennsylvania as well, if you are one of those people that's concerned that maybe things were dishonest, that there were ballots that were mishandled, if you think that, then you are lumped right in there with the January 6th protesters. That's That's how sinister this is. And the Biden administration is doubling down on that. 
And so um, in Arizona on last, I believe it was last Thursday, there was a public uh, uh, sort of a committee hearing, an update on the audit going on out there. And they found, it was really fascinating. I watched almost the entire thing. Uh, Cyber Ninjas was there reporting. Uh, and uh, Ben Cotton, who's the CEO of um, working on the audit, just, it was amazing to watch it. One of the things I'll just say quickly they found no record of the county sending more than 74,000 mail-in ballots. That's just one of the findings. And you will recall that uh, Joe Biden won by only by something like 10,000 votes out of 3.5 million, something like that, in Arizona. Well, I, I want to introduce my next guest. She knows a lot more about this than I do, of course. Uh, Dr. Kelly Ward is the chairman of the Republican Party in Arizona. And before I uh, let her have her word on this, I want to just tell you Kelly is— um, I've known Kelly a long time. Kelly is a Republican, yes, and she's part of the leadership of the party, but she's she's the salt of the earth kind of who actually loves the platform and embraces it. Was uh, She ran for Senate, should have won. But she's now in a strategic position, and uh, probably this audit, I'm guessing, is taking part, not in, uh, not in part, not in small part, because of Kelly's leadership there. So, Kelly, good early morning to you. Thanks for joining me. Hey, good morning, Sandy. It's great to be with you guys, and thank you for your kind words. You know, I, I uh, conservatives rarely get into a position of being a chairman of a state party um, because the establishment loves to have control of all of that. So there's a lot of angst because I'm an America first, faith, family, and freedom Republican, um, never have been afraid to, to state what I, what I think and what I believe, and uh very rarely, if ever, back down from from those positions. Probably not. Probably never. Um, and so, it's. I, I think you're right. I mean, I I don't see many other party chairs pushing their legislature to do an audit. Though I think they definitely should be in probably in every state, to be honest. But Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Nevada. They should all be auditing their elections because there was funny business leading up to Election Day during all of the early voting and then certainly on Election Day itself and then with the counting afterwards. Yeah, so but let's talk. Okay, Kelly, this, you know, it's hard because people don't, you know, you're talking to people from all 50 states and they're not watching this. They don't know all the details. So out of that, you had three people testifying before the Senate president and um, the chairman of one of your committees in the Senate. Uh, so this is an official right. a procedure, uh, but what to you was the most important takeaway from that hearing on Thursday? Well, there, there were so many, and, and I watched it. It was the last day of my vacation, my last official day. <laughs> so my husband and I spent the, the morning watching the hearing. So that's, you know, that's how dedicated <laughs> we are to this. Um, but just there were many things. Obviously, all of the discrepancies with the paper ballot, with the 74,000 plus that don't match up for having been sent out, but were sent back. Now, Maricopa County is trying to explain that away, saying, oh, those were just people who went to a voting center and voted early, so nothing was ever mailed out. Sandy, 1.9 million votes in Arizona, or in Maricopa County, not in Arizona, just in Maricopa County alone, came in through the absentee system. So why are these 74,000 so much different than any of those other 1.9 million? Um, I just think that's a sham. I think it's a shame that Maricopa County had a, an account tweeting out. We have no idea who was tweeting from that account 
and and news and I'm putting news in quotes. News outlets like CNN take those tweets as gospel when they have hard evidence right on uh, on the page before them. So that's very very concerning. I'm also concerned about the cyber aspect of this. Um, when you know that on one day, March 11th, March 11th, 2021, over 37,000 inquiries were, well, queries, they're not inquiries, queries were made into a system that only holds eight accounts requesting, they were password requests for blank passwords. And I think that the reason that is so you know, when somebody signs into their Google account and you sign in too many accounts, too many times with the wrong number, it locks you out and eventually it will erase the data that you have. I think this is an attempt to do just that. These 37,000 queries overloaded the system so much that it automatically deleted, erased data. Now, right now, we know in Maricopa County that the only data that's available is from February 5th, 2021, and forward to today. Where is the November data? We don't know. I think it's recoverable if Pfeiffer or, and, and security experts can get the passwords, the administrator passwords, get the Splunk logs, get the hardware keys, and I think that's why Dominion and Maricopa County are hiding it. That part, to me, is even more nefarious, even scarier than what we're seeing with all of the, the fake, uh, potentially, ballots, the voters who voted, who weren't registered to vote until after the deadline, the voters who, 18,000 of them, who voted and then were immediately purged from the voter rolls, the almost 4,000 that didn't show up on the voter rolls on November 4th, but suddenly appeared on December 4th. There are so many problems in Maricopa County um, that we have to get to the bottom of, or we will not have election integrity and we will not have confidence. Our voters will not have confidence. And, and our entire country, our republic, our freedom, our liberty is at stake. <clears throat> but of course, uh, I don't need to tell you that Maricopa County is still withholding stuff, as you just cited, uh, all the things that, and they're saying that they will not release any of that stuff unless more subpoenas are uh, sought by the committee. I uh, So... I don't know, Kelly, I don't know how, how you think that the judge that's helping you guys will stand firm about requesting this information from Maricopa County? How, you know, you never know, Sandy, because we saw uh, judge after judge, court after court, every level of the judiciary turn their backs on the problems that we saw in November of 2020. So far, the judges that have been involved in this case have been pretty fair, have been following the law. Uh, two courts, including the Arizona Supreme Court, stated that this is a legal legislative subpoena, that the Arizona State Senate has every right in the world to have that information, and they affirmed that Maricopa County needs to turn over the information. Right now, they're in violation of that subpoena. The State Senate, it's a shame. There's one senator, Paul Boyer, who says he's a Republican, that uh, votes not to hold the Board of Supervisors and Maricopa County uh, accountable for their their um, outright um, just refusal to cooperate with this process. 
And in our legislation or in our, our laws, it says that the Senate has to vote to be able to hold them accountable. Um, now, my interpretation is they took a vote, okay, and it was a tie vote, but that doesn't mean, doesn't mean they have to win the vote. But that's just, that's me, that's Kelly Ward, not the attorney who actually wants accountability from these people. Barring that, then the courts have to do it. And the courts have already said that this, that they're supposed to give it, and they know they're in violation, and so the courts should be handing down uh, some accountability to these people. And um, if we don't get it, then I don't know where our system is at all. Who is the next body that's going to defy a, a legislative subpoena? Um, basically, it'll just be a free-for-all. If you don't want to answer, if you don't, if you don't, um, if you think that the evidence that you are going to be required to um, to give to these bodies is going to be damaging to you in some way, then you can just ignore it. We can't let that that stand. We are we're a state of law and orders, and we're a nation of law and order. And uh, you know, it's it's very very scary to watch it play out because yep. it's, it's that, it has so much potential to lead to so much instability in our in our country and in the world. Kelly, quickly, let me read this comment by Jack Sellers. He's the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors oh. Chairman, as you know, Republican. He says, at today's briefing, the Senate's uncertified contractors ask a lot of open-ended questions, portraying as suspicious what is actually normal and well-known to people who work in elections. In some cases, they dropped bombshell numbers that are simply not accurate. What we heard today represents an alternative an alternate reality that has veered out of control since November. Senate leadership should be ashamed they broadcast the half-baked theories of the deep-rigged crowd to the world today. To Senate leaders, I say stop accusing us of not cooperating when we have given you everything qualified auditors would need to do this job. Finish your audit, release the report, and be prepared to defend it in court. Your comments, your response to that. Well, you know, Jack, Jack must be losing his mind because the alternative reality is the one that he's living in with the other Board of Supervisors and the attorneys from Maricopa County. Believe me, the Secretary of State has asked our Attorney General to investigate Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, and Kelly Ward, because we dared, before they certified the election, to say, hey, you need to look at some stuff before you certify. You have to have the truth before you certify. Before you certify, Sandy, we could be in a... We, we wouldn't even be here had they looked. And their excuse is... Well, what our elections department and Dominion showed us looked fine to us. Well, he just said that uh, that that they they believe in qualified auditors. Well, number one, there are no certified audit auditors, and I don't know who would be more qualified than people who work on uh, big government problems in cyber cyber and in auditing. And that's who the cyber ninjas and cipher, uh, among the other contractors, who they've been working for. So, Jack, it, it's a shame that Jack uh, and, and the other three Republicans, to be honest, have allowed themselves to be led by the nose by the Maricopa County attorneys down a path that is going to, I believe, make them look extremely, extremely bad. Uh, they're on the verge of being people who destroy our republic, and they probably certified a, an election that's fraudulent. No wonder they don't want to give the information. Kelly, we're almost out of time. Let me just say a poll was published yesterday, I think. It showed that 62% of registered Republican voters in Arizona said the audit will show Mr. Trump beat President Biden in Arizona. 
2% of Democrats feel that way and 25% of independents in Arizona. I know that the judge just uh, ruled over the weekend that you you guys are going to have to uh, turn over who's paying for this audit and other kinds of information. What are your thoughts about that judgment and the repercussions of that? Well, I mean, I I want it to be as transparent as possible. Um, I think that it doesn't really matter who's paying for the audit. I'd love to know who's paying for the 73 attorneys that came for the Democrats to try to stop the audit. And that was just at the beginning. There have been many, many more. Who's paying for that? Who's paying for the fake news stories that they're putting out? Who's paying for the PR warfare and the disinformation campaign about this audit? Nobody seems to be investigating that, Sandy. So it's pretty sad. Um, I'm not worried about the information coming out. I do want to protect the the intellectual property of the people that are doing the audit because political attacks um, they, uh, on these private companies because their willingness to look into things that people are concerned about is is chilling, and we can't allow that in, a, in the United States. We see communism raising its, its, its yes. ugly head here with Democrats leading the way to making it happen. I can tell you I'm going to stand in the way of it. Uh, I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to be shamed. I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to continue to use whatever political power I have to pressure people to do the right thing and praise the ones who are, are already doing it. That's how our system is supposed to work. Yep, Kelly, listen, that's uh, that's why I'm glad you are. Who would have thought that you would end in that position? We thought you were going to be a senator a long time ago. And uh, look how important this position has become. And I thank you. I thank thank God that, that uh, you've landed there, Kelly, honestly. And you've got a lot of great people working with you. Those hearings were so impressive. And so I just want to commend what's going on in Arizona to all of you. If you if you see that it's going to be something's going to happen or you, you'll want to watch because you will be encouraged by the integrity that just seeps from these guys that are testifying. Uh, Kelly Ward from Arizona. Sandy Rios in the morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.